Know Your Food with Warty, episode 106. For links and more, visit the show notes at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 106. See you there. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Know Your Food with Warty. I'm Warty in Southwest Oregon, a traditional food blogger at ganalfglins.com and knowyourfoodpodcast.com. I'm glad you're here. This is the podcast where we're all about ditching those poisonous processed foods, breaking free from the conventional food paradigm, and instead embracing whole foods raised, saved, and prepared with traditional methods. It's fun, it's delicious, and it's healthy. You're on your way to looking good, feeling good, and most importantly, doing good. Welcome, everyone. I'm so glad you're joining me today. Let's start with the tip of the week. These are for homemade vitamin C gummies. They came from Tracy. She says that her family was battling coughs quite badly this winter. She researched vitamin C and felt that it could be uh, safe for her family. She made the decision for her family to do some uh, safe but high dosages of vitamin C. And within a week, her family's coughs had lessened and even completely gone. So, going to give you a recipe and I'll just tell you how it goes here on the air but if you want to print it or refer to it all you need to do is go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash gummies and gummies is spelled g-u-m-m-i-e-s so what you're going to do here's a basic recipe you can triple it which Tracy says she does she triples it for her family of five kids family with five kids so she takes triple these amounts but I'll just give you the simple one three tablespoons of vitamin C powder. Now she uses a whole food source vitamin C, acerola, and we do as well. So three tablespoons of that. One cup homemade juice of your choice, or you can use um, pure organic pure juice, but the important thing is not from concentrate. You want um, like fresh squeezed orange juice or, you know, some kind of juice. You also need two and a half tablespoons of gelatin, and we like the Great Lakes gelatin. Um, You can really use anything for molds, like you could use a cake pan or, you know, some kind of like a jelly roll pan. Of course, that's going to be quite large. You want a smaller one, and you'll you'll cut your gummies into squares, or you can use those cute silicone molds um, where you're making individual gummies. So that's what you need, the acerola powder the homemade juice um, or organic pure juice from the store that's not from concentrate, the gelatin, and your mold. So you're going to warm the juice on the stove. Don't boil it, but just warm enough for the gelatin to dissolve. So the juice is warm. Then you're going to add the gelatin a bit at a time while you're briskly briskly whisking it in, Um, you know, so it doesn't clump up or gum up. You want it to dissolve smoothly in the juice. Let it cool to room temperature. Don't let it get too cold just to room temperature, so you just need to watch it. Because if it gets colder than room temperature, it's going to gel, and we're not quite ready for it to gel. Once it's at normal room temperature, then again, you're going to whisk briskly as you add the vitamin C powder again, just bit by bit. So then when this is dissolved, whisked in smoothly, then you've got your finished mixture. You pour it into the molds. Um, Like I said, you can use a cake pan for gummy squares. You'd want to add coconut oil to the bottom and side so it doesn't stick. And then, you know, when it's set up, you're just going to cut it into squares. Or you can use cute, cute silicone molds. So give it a try if you've got a cough. We're going to try it next time we have a cough here. Um, For the complete recipe, go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 
gummies, G-U-M-M-I-E-S. And now we're going to take a listener question. This comes from Sarah in Vermont, and she actually left it on our podcast listener line, um, which you can find anytime, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash questions. Um, so she left it on that line, and so I'm going to take a quick break here so that you can hear from Sarah herself. Hello, Wardy. Uh, my name is Sarah, and I'm calling from Vermont. I've recently started cooking with sourdough culture and making sourdough bread. Um, and recently, I um, have been ill, and I forgot about my sourdough on the counter. Um, I'm someone who likes to have it out all the time. Uh, so it went a few days without being fed, and I don't think it's doing very well. I've been feeding it, but I haven't really seen any bubbles. Um, so I kind of am treating it like as if it's a brand new culture and I'm still feeding it twice a day, trying to get it back up to um, the amount of bugs it needs. Um, let me know if I'm on the right track. That would be great. Um, thank you for all that you do. All right. Thanks for the great question, Sarah. And it's so timely because today's episode is devoted to sourdough. I have some exciting um, sourdough techniques to share with everyone. Um, so you took a break because you were ill from your sourdough starter and now you're treating it like a newbie. That's exactly what I would do. Don't give it too long. I mean, if it's not bouncing back in a week or so, you can probably compost it and start over, sadly. Um, but you might find it comes back. You also might find that you get a little bit of activity and then more and more and more, and it might even ebb and flow because it's going to have to readjust to the right organism balance if, you know, crucial ones died. So give it a little bit of nursing and TLC like you're doing. Um, and let's just hope it comes back. So you are totally on the right track. Thanks for the question, Sarah. Let's take a quick break and then I'll be back with the topic of today's episode. Hi, I'm Wardy, a traditional cooking expert and food blogger at Ganalflins.com. For years, my family struggled with food-related health problems, but we don't anymore. And I'd love to show you that preparing whole foods with traditional methods is easy, delicious, and super good for you too. So just go to traditionalcookingschool.com free, and I'll show you how easily you can do it too. I'll give you five free videos that include my favorite traditional cooking techniques, plus printable at-a-glance fact sheets as a handy reference. So, if you're ready to start looking good, feeling good, and most importantly, doing good, then visit traditionalcookingschool.com free today. Hey everyone, before I get into today's content, I want to mention that I made a boo-boo. Um... <laughs> Upcoming here, you'll hear me refer to the show notes, and somehow I got in my head that this was episode 105. So when you hear me say go to the show notes at, at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 105, just mentally change that in your head to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 106. This is episode 106. Thanks, and I'm sorry. Well, we are all about sourdough today, and specifically what I call no-weight sourdough. This is something that I've shared with members. I've shared on the blog. People love it. And I thought, it is really time to share this in a podcast episode. So let's talk about no-weight sourdough. And before I give you some ideas for how you can incorporate this in your life in your home, I want to talk about what it is and why it's so great. So here's the idea behind no-weight sourdough. Um, because if you've studied sourdough at all, uh, you know that sourdough is very healthy. The organisms in the starter can 
literally um, pre-digest your grains and make them more healthy for you. And why is this important? Well, it's better for your nutrition. You will, because of the sourdough uh, pre-digests um, the grains for you, if you have trouble with gluten and, um, you know, from small to large problems, it's possible that that action of the sourdough, that pre-digesting can make gluten easier for you to digest. And on the nutrition end, so that's for your digestion. I mistakenly said nutrition at first, but that's for your digestion. On the nutrition end, well, the sourdough starters is very effective to reduce phytic acid. Now, this is a common theme you hear um, with traditional cooking, which is that all seeds contain phytic acid. And this is natural. It's the way they protect themselves for germination. It's not so good for us. So if we take steps to soak sour or ferment, sorry, soak, sprout, or ferment our grains, that action can reduce the anti-nutrient phytic acid. What's the problem with phytic acid? Well, like I said, it helps the seed... um, protect itself till the time of germination, for us, it prevents mineral absorption. So it's in our best interest to take those steps with our seeds to prepare them. We will get more minerals from the foods we eat because the phytic acid isn't blocking that action. So that's why we want to reduce or eliminate phytic acid. And sourdough is very powerful. Of all the methods of grain preparation, soaking, sprouting, and fermenting, sourdough is the most effective. Um, so that's one reason I love sourdough. I just also, you know, the whole thing is just such a beautiful process. So that's why sourdough is so good. But here's the thing. In order for you to get the benefits of sourdough in a good recipe, you are mixing your starter um, with the remaining amount of flour in your dough, and you're giving it 8 to 12 hours or 24 hours to sour or ferment. The sourdough starter needs that time to do the work on the grains, which is not an instant thing. It's not like you're going to the kitchen and you're whipping up a, a bread dough or a muffin dough or you know biscuit dough and just baking it. No, you're, you have to plan for the souring time. So there's a weight involved. So here's where no weight sourdough comes in. Okay, so I want to be totally clear that everybody gets this. Um, usually with good sourdough, healthy sourdough, you got this rule, sour for at least eight hours, your starter and your flour. But what if I told you that you could get the same quality of nourishing food without the weight and using sourdough? Well, sourdough is what gives you the same quality of nourishing food, but how would you like it if you could do it without the weight? Well, you can, and here's how. It's called no-weight sourdough. And the idea is you're using leftover sourdough starter instead of starter and flour. Once you add the flour, that's what means you have to wait eight hours because it needs time to work. But if you are keeping up and maintaining a sourdough starter, let's say you're feeding it every 12 hours, well, you feed it, 12 hours later, it's ready to go. If you could cook something with it, there's no waiting. So keep your sourdough starter going all the time, um, and you could be baking things instantly. That's the beauty of no-weight sourdough. And just to be totally clear, I alluded to it. You probably got it. I just want to say it. The reason this can be done is because the flour in the starter that you use to feed it is already done being soured. So if you are feeding your starter and then using it 12 to 24 hours later in one of the recipes I'm going to tell you about, then you're into the realm of no-weight sourdough. And it's so easy. You can literally go into the kitchen and say, I feel like pancakes, or I feel like crepes, or I feel like, and some other things I'm going to tell you about, and you can literally make them right now. It's no-weight sourdough. 
So hopefully I've whet your appetite and you are ready to hear the examples. So we're going to get practical here, and I'm going to give you four ideas for, for no-weight sourdough. In fact, I actually have a fifth one, although it's a work in progress. But I've got four ideas for you to take your sourdough starter that you're keeping fed um, and turn it into something right now. Now, you also need to be aware that um, you got to change your tactic a little bit with the sourdough starter because if you're using it in regular healthy recipes you know you might need a half cup or a cup or whatnot but if you're going to use it for no weight recipes you need larger quantities because it is the entirety of the batter or whatnot so like um, idea number one here is for fluffy sourdough pancakes and by the way all these recipes are in our sourdough a to z ebook they're also in our Uh, traditional cooking school membership, the sourdough e-course. And three of the four I'm going to share with you today are also on the blog. So if you go to the show notes, you'll see links um, to everything here. So the first one is fluffy sourdough pancakes. And the standard recipe, you know, that'll feed probably two to four, probably four people easily, um, unless they're really big eaters. You need two cups of sourdough starter. Um, So that's one where, you know, if you know you're going to be having pancakes tomorrow and you don't want to, you know, wait, then you'd feed your starter extra tonight, okay? And you'll have to work this in um, to your kind of routine. So here, this recipe comes from Erin. It's, it's her oh-so-fluffy cast-iron sourdough pancakes. There's one thing that makes it really unique from other pancake recipes is that you're actually cooking it in a cast-iron skillet. You're doing it on the stovetop until it firms up and gets those bubbles in the middle, you know, that shows you the dough is firming up. And then you move it to the oven under the broiler to toast on the top. And if you use a cast-iron skillet for your pancakes, you will get the fluffiest pancakes you've ever had. There's something about the... Um, structure of the pan and the cast iron itself that gives you the most delicious crisp finish and the fluffiness because it can't spread out it's sort of like got a um it's got a barrier to spreading out so the recipe is very simple you're first for a you know single batch you've got two cups of sourdough starter and you're going to just take it from the starter pot Put it in your mixing bowl. Remember to save some back so you can keep your starter going. And you're going to combine it with melted butter, salt, egg, sweetener if you want, vanilla, uh, sprinkling of spice like cinnamon or a spice blend that you have. Um, and get that all going. Get your cast iron pan going on the stovetop. Um, and then at the very end, you know, right before you cook these, you're going to add baking soda. And the baking soda is going to react with the acids of the starter, and it's going to just start fluffing that batter up. So you instantly want to get it into um, your pan and frying. So what I like to do, especially if I'm doubling the batch, is I will take out like, you know, maybe three ladlefuls of the batter into a second bowl, and I'll combine it with a bit of um, baking soda, Not not the entire amount of baking soda, but some. You kind of have to eyeball it. It's it's you can you can you know use way too much baking soda, you, um, but that's hard to do. So I would probably do like a third or a quarter teaspoon for about three ladlefuls of this batter, and so then it's instantly fluffing up. I put that in the cast iron skillet um, because baking soda works instantly, and then it loses its you know deflates and it's not active anymore. So then when the second when I'm ready to cook the second skillet, then I will ladle out more batter and I'll add baking soda right then and do that. So these 
pancakes are amazing. And again, I'll have the link for you um, in the show notes. You definitely want to check them out. That was no weight recipe number one. Just keep your sourdough starter going. And if you got at least two cups, you can be making these instantly. Uh, sometimes, before I go on, I'll just say sometimes if I have a lot of sourdough batter for some reason, you know, maybe uh, maybe I made bread and so I built up the starter, but I didn't end up using as much as I thought, or I built it up and I didn't get to it, well, then I can make, sometimes I made a quadruple batch of pancakes and then frozen them. And single pancakes frozen are amazing to just toast in the toaster oven. So here's a, here's a kind of um, no-weight sourdough recipe that you could do for instant batch cooking and get really nourishing food in the freezer. So give that a try. Now we'll go on to um, no-weight recipe number two, and that is sourdough waffles. It's a very similar batter to the pancakes. You're going to use two cups of leftover over sourdough starter for the basic recipe and, um, and use your waffle iron. And so I'm not going to go through the whole recipe again because it's very similar, but it's, it's, you know, instead of pancakes, you're making waffles. And once again, if you've got a lot of sourdough starter, you can do instant batch cooking of nourishing food, or you can just do a single batch. Um, so give that one a try. And no weight recipe number three is sourdough crepes. This is one of my absolute favorites. I love to make crepes. Um, I find crepes so much easier than tortillas because you're not having to roll them out. You're just pouring them in the pan. They're light and fluffy. They stay soft a lot better than whole grain tortillas. They also make delicious tortilla chips. So in the show notes, um, I'm going to give you a link to the crepe recipe. And there you'll also find instructions to make tortilla chips out of them. So you cut them into wedges and deep fry them and you can make nachos out of them. But let's talk about the crepe recipe. This is very, um, very easy. And it's the opposite kind of batter from the pancakes and waffles. Those, you want a thick batter, a thicker, definitely the pancakes. You want it quite thick. The thicker, the, the better. I mean, of course you can get too thick, but it's just not a thin pancake batter. It's a thick one. Well, crepes you want thin thin batter so you get thin crepes. So you need one cup of sourdough starter for a single batch of crepes. You get about eight or nine crepes depending on the crepes depending on the size. You're going to take one cup of sourdough starter and you're going to find it with three eggs, more eggs than the pancakes and waffles. This is the eggs just really help it hold together together. Um, melted butter, salt, and then you're going to thin your batter with either milk or water to the thinness of a crepe. By the way, that's the, that's why we have traditional cooking schools. So you can see all these things done. So if you've got questions like, um, well, how thin should a crepe batter be? How thick should that pancake batter be? Well, we show you in our videos. And so we'd love you to consider membership and information about that is at, uh, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash join. Uh, it doesn't mean you're joining. You can just check it out. But so anyway, you make this thinner crepe batter and you've got your cast iron skillet over medium heat. Um, you're going to, um, you know, grease it. You don't have to grease every one, but at least the first one. And just, just so you know, crepes don't usually, the first crepe doesn't usually turn out. <laughs> it just, it's just the way it goes. I don't know. It's like the pan has to get used to your batter and it's not quite the right temp. I don't know. And it just the way it goes. So, um, 
you're going to pour a small amount of your batter into your skillet while you're kind of tipping and rolling it with your hands so you can spread the batter out in a circle. Because it's thin, it cooks so fast. So if you don't spread it out, it's going to start cooking thick right where you pour it. So that's why you got to just be ready to rock and roll that pan as you spread the batter out. Um, so you cook on one side, doesn't take very long, flip it over, cook it on the other side, takes even less, move it to a plate. And so you're just literally whipping out these crepes. This is why they're so much easier than tortillas. Um, and then you've got, um, you know, crepes. You can use them as, turn them into a dessert with homemade whipped cream and mashed fruit or sliced fruit or honey um, or cream cheese with jam. I mean, there's so many things you can do to turn them into desserts. You can also use them as wraps. We most often use them as wraps um, for main dishes like tacos or uh, wrap sandwiches. So they're wonderful. Um, so that was recipe number, no wait recipe number three. We've covered pancakes, waffles, and crepes. So we've actually covered um, ways that you can use your sourdough starter right now for breakfast. And you could do, you could even turn your pancakes into sandwiches. So that could be savory. Crepes can be either a dessert or savory or breakfast. Um, so we've covered a lot of ground with no weight sourdough recipes. Um, and our final one is um, impossible sourdough pie. There's a story behind this. Um, and this is a recipe that we kept exclusive to our sourdough ebook and the sourdough e-course at Traditional Cooking School. So unfortunately, you can't find it on the blog. Um, we just wanted to keep it special because it's so special. Uh, it's wonderful, though. Maybe when I tell you about it, it'll pique your interest to give us a try with membership or our book. Um, or maybe you'll come up with a way to do it yourself. So the impossible sourdough pie is based on the Bisquick impossible pies. I don't know if you remember those or not. Um, I do. And Erin, who is my co-creator for the sourdough e-course, did. And she had this idea based on the Bisquick impossible pies to see if we could do it with sourdough. Because those Bisquick impossible pies, you're mixing up your Bisquick mix into a batter and you pour it over a pan full of other ingredients, you bake it, and then you get what's called an impossible pie. And I think impossible is because that is so good. How could it be possible to make something so good that's so easy? That's what I think. That's what I think how it came. Um, who knows, though? If you know, show notes are at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 105. Let me know. Set me straight. So, um, But that's not go so good for you because Bisquick. Um, so Sarah, ha I mean, Erin had this... Uh, idea. What if we could do it with sourdough starter? What if we could use our sourdough starter as a batter in place of the Bisquick batter? And so she came up with all these variations for sweet and savory impossible pies using your sourdough starter. So you can do like a tuna and pea, you can do a um, chili pie, you can do an onion and cheese sort of side dish bread, um, you can do hamburger pie. We do that a lot. You can even go um, sweet. So she's turned it into pumpkin or impossible brownies. And it all works like this. If it's a main dish, you're going to have your sourdough skillet and you're going to prepare all your filling ingredients. So if you have to saute them or if you're just putting them in the bottom, make sure it's uh, greased, you know, butter, lard or tallow, um, ghee, so that the ingredients aren't sticking and get that in the bottom. Then you whip up your batter. And the batter is very simple. It's sourdough starter, egg, fat, salt, and baking soda. And you whip that up and you pour it 
and you can do more than that. I mean, your batter could become brownies if you add sweetener and cocoa powder. It could become uh, cheesy cayenne cheese if you also add shredded cheese and cayenne pepper. But the basic batter is those ingredients. And you pour that over the waiting ingredients in your cast iron skillet. You put it in the oven and bake for... Um, half hour to 45 minutes and then you bring it out and you have what's called an impossible pie they are so delicious um in the fall when we go mushroom hunting we will take these for lunch it's a wonderful thing to take on a picnic or an outing because i'll bake it in the morning and then i'll just take the skillets uh, i usually will do two for our family and if we have friends around and then i'll just take them in the truck and i'll bring you know paper plates and a fork napkins for everybody and a knife to cut the pie and a um, spatula. So we just pull the cast iron skillet out of the truck. I mean, I'll have it in a box with, you know, covered by towels or so it's, you know, safe to transport. So just pull the skillet out of the truck, slice into wedges and serve everybody up. Um, And so obviously I'm doing kind of a savory pie and it's sort of like um, by that time it's not warm anymore, but it's not cold. Um, and it's just wonderful. We love it. So I hope I've tweaked your interest today with the no weight recipes. I hope um, for those of you who maybe haven't wanted to give sourdough a try or you feel like, well, I can't make it now. I, I want it and I want the benefits, but maybe life is just too busy for you to, you know, get dough going. Well, make your gateway into sourdough be these easy no weight recipes. So get your sourdough starter fed, get it up to a quantity where you at least have one to two cups for these recipes, and then you're off to the races. When inspiration hits, you know, half hour before you guys need to eat, you're heading into the kitchen and you're literally whipping something up. And I've given you ideas for breakfast, snacks, lunches, dinners, and desserts. We've covered all that ground with these no-weight recipes. I told you I might have one more idea for you, and I do. This is a work in progress. I've tried it a couple times. haven't perfected it yet, which is why I haven't shared it. It's for dumplings. You can take your sourdough starter. You want to keep it kind of on the thick side, and you're just um, you know seasoning it up. Salt, pepper, garlic. Um, maybe, I can't remember my results with baking soda or not. But, you know, if you've got chicken soup going or something, and then you're taking this thicker sourdough starter that you've seasoned, and you're putting it by spoonfuls on, you know, in the boiling pot. And so then your dumplings are just cooking right there in the pot. And one time these turned out fantastic, and one time they turned out kind of gummy and too thick. So, you know, I'm playing with it. And if one of you tries it and finds, like, the magic combination please let me know. Please share at the show notes, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 105. Well, thanks for joining me, everyone. Uh, it's been fun to visit with you and share one of my, um, I was going to say my, one of my funnest things to do, <laughs> uh, to share one of the things that I enjoy most about cooking and that's sourdough. And I have to say, I really enjoy it when it's easy and convenient as well, which this is. This is what makes um, sourdough for me even a little bit more fun is that you can have it be nourishing and delicious and also very easy. Um, so let me know what you do with it. I look forward to visiting with you at the show notes. Knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 106. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope to see you again soon. 
Let me tell you what you can do next. You can visit the show notes for this episode. Just go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash, and then without a space, just type the number of this episode. You'll get links and much more information about what we've been talking about. You can submit questions for future episodes. I love to answer your questions on the air. So go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash questions to submit them. You can stop by traditionalcookingschool.com to get five free traditional cooking videos from me. And finally, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, the podcast app, or Stitcher. If you're on a mobile device, just search for Know Your Food with Warty while you're in the app. If you're on a desktop, go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash iTunes right in your browser. While you're there, please do leave a rating and review. I love to get them, love to read your comments, and they're invaluable to help other people find this podcast. Thank you so much.